You're listening to Living with Louie. Well, welcome back to this week's edition of Living with Louie. We're back with Deborah Costu, and we are going to be talking about communication, and we hope to bridge it a little bit later into how communication affects behavior. Am I correct, Deb? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, uh, on your subject of communication, I happen to have something that was given to me today, as a matter of fact, by my therapy team. And it's actually a booklet on uh, memory care that they brought to me. And it's really for my wife. And so I opened up to the section on communication today. Just so we could talk about this. So how would you like to start this communication about communication? Well, Larry, I think that the whole concept of communication, a lot of people, they don't really understand how valuable communication is in our everyday life, first of all. But then to add in a person with cognitive decline into the mix really completely changes the whole ballgame. Yeah. Um, it seems to me that um, communication is not always what you say, as it is how you say it. Right. I used right. I used to um, tell people I say, and, and I used to teach defensive driving and all these classes. But one of the things that I used to tell them is that you have a lot of choices to make. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you don't believe me, I said, I'm going to give you a little illustration. If I go home from work tonight and I've had a bad day, I can either go home and I can walk in the house and I can say, honey, where's my dinner? Why isn't my dinner on the table yet? I said, ah, probably not going to get the best response. I said, but if I go home and I fill the tub with nice bubble bath, put some roses put a glass of wine there. I tuck her in and I cook dinner. I got a whole nother evening going on. I said, so the choice is which button do you want to push? You want to push the bad button or the good button? And that is so true with communicating on any level. And it's, I think, especially as you say, with people like myself that have dementia, it's, uh, if my wife gets agitated, she knows to step back and take a breath and, right. and, and then come back at it rather than to just come right at me because she knows that that's going to be met with not any type of physical aggression, but uh, a, a, some verbal aggression, if you will. Right. Yeah. And Larry, it's interesting that you... You kind of jumped right in to where I was going to go more at the end. I, but ju I jumped into the deep end of the pool. You, you just diving right in there, Larry. <laughs> and that's what I love about you because I'm that kind of girl too. But so I want to kind of take that, if you don't mind. And dissect and I'd like it. To, I'd like to expand on that a little bit Let's as a dementia expert on communication because it's um, it's something that caregivers, carers, and medical professionals, they don't put enough time 
into learning how to change the way they communicate with someone with cognitive decline in particular, because the communication can be either, just like you said, it can come off as positive or it can come off as negative, right? Mm -hmm. so, so a negative communication would be something that could trigger an argument. So like telling someone you're not allowed to do something or stop doing this or you can't, right? Those are all words that could trigger or push someone into an argument. They're negative. Another one would be another thing that would incur a negative piece of communication would be, is this communication going to change the outcome? So if it's not going to make a difference in the outcome, then don't even go there. So for instance, the daughter shows up and dad didn't take his pills that morning. And she's like, dad, you forgot to take your medicine. Dad, oh my God, I called you and I told you to take your medicine. It's not going to change the outcome. He still didn't, didn't take, take the medication. Medicine. So it's going to just turn into a negative problem. Another one is, and this is my biggest, most favorite one, is, is that communication going to knock them down again or make them feel crappy or feel like a failure? So we have to be asking ourselves as the cognitively intact person, because we're the one that really has the control over which way a conversation goes. Is this communication going to turn out to be negative? Is it going to trigger an argument, change an outcome, knock them down? Instead, we have to be asking ourselves, how can I make this conversation, this communication become a more positive situation? So how can I give them power? So a perfect example, like I just mentioned about the daughter showing up and saying, oh, dad, you forgot to take your pills this morning. Instead, she could make up an excuse for him. Oh, dad, this way she's not going to embarrass him, right? Or make him feel like crap. Oh, dad, I notice your pills are still in here. Did you maybe get distracted by your favorite TV show? Right. Right. It changes the whole thing. Yeah. So it doesn't put blame. It doesn't um, induce an argument. It doesn't make them feel like a failure. So we have to give the person their power back. We have to help them build confidence, make them smile, and solve a problem. That's one thing that, um, and, and I really, when, when you said make them smile, that is um, something that I really didn't notice about myself was the stoic look that I, that, is there. Mm. I noticed it when I was talking to someone else and I asked my wife, I said, is that the way I am? She goes, yeah, more. And so, mm -hmm. so smiling is not something I, I that I, and I understand, make me smile inside. I know I might not smile on my face, but make me smile inside. So I'm not going to get argumentative. Right, good. Because we're, we're not doing that, Larry. We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. But you know what? 
Larry, it's so interesting when you when you bring up the fact about smiling, because first of all, communication is how we as human beings, how we express ourselves as individuals. So communication is being able to express how we feel, what our wishes and desires are. And if we can't do that, then that's when you start having behaviors and problems. When, when people can't express what they need or what they want. And when you have, when you have dementia, it gets harder and harder to do that as the disease progresses. So it's up to the person who's caring for them to be able to adjust to that communication because for two cognitively intact people, communication is a 50-50 exchange of information. Yeah. But when one person has dementia or neurodegeneration, it's lopsided. So somebody has to compensate for that. And it's not the person with dementia. They don't have the ability to. Right. Right. They can't control that. Right. They can't control their thoughts, emotions, that's, words, choice of words. That's something that being a person living with dementia, not being able to control is uh, it's difficult. Because and it's it, probably even frustrating. It is frustrating because I don't uh, want to... Um, to be aggressive in my words, but yet comes out anyway. And I, it's like, I, I, like, I can't filter it. Like I used to, if that, if you will. Right. Right. So you can't filter. So we, as the care partner or the medical professional, we have to put on our suit of armor. Yeah. And we have to, we have to just let it bounce off. We have to be forgiving. We have to be. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I cover completely, like in my course. Like that's not something you can just tell somebody and then they can start practicing it. It's not, it's not one of those quick fixes. This is something that you have to kind of go over and over and over and over and over for it to really, for you to really be able to do that. It's not. I think you have to remind yourself. I think my, my, my wife, I know, and. Uh, at times, she has to remind herself, okay, wait a minute, you know, and 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 she'll even say, oh, honey, I'm sorry, you know, and she'll put it another way. And so, yeah, it's uh, it, you're right. It's not something that you're going to be able to just go and turn a switch and go, okay. It's something you have to work at. And not only does the person have to put their suit of armor on and be forgiving, but I find that living with this on the other side of it, I also have to be forgiving when maybe she gets frustrated with me. And I have to be able to say, okay. And, and try to not respond to that in a, in a verbally aggressive manner. Um, does that make any sense? It does. It really does. And I, find I think... For you, for you in this particular situation, Larry, like you're, you're in the stage of your disease process that you're still able to do that. 
to a degree. But, yeah. But as the disease progresses, eventually, like, uh, yeah. you won't have that control anymore. Well, that's like driving a car. I get, you know, I, I gave that up just recently. Yeah. And I gave it up because I had, I had a, um, an incident that took place that, that made me say, no, that if my body won't listen to what my brain is telling it to do, this could, this could go south. And so, no, I'm not going to hurt somebody. I'm not going to hurt myself. Yeah. Um, and I don't even remember where I was going with that. I'm sorry. No, that's totally fine. You know, I, the thing that I find extremely interesting about our meeting and our discussions is that you are on the caregiver perspective and here I am on the, on the other, total opposite side of that camera on the other side of the lens looking back. And, and so that's, I think, where there's a great deal of value in our conversation. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And, and Larry, when, when we talk about communication, I mean, everything around us, if you think about it, involves communication. Everything. Yes. Whether talking to people, um, anything that you that you read, street signs, um, you know, signs on grocery stores. I mean, communication is is literally everything. And so when when a person loses that, like you mentioned, that's where the frustration and the anger can come in. So we as the care partners, if we can figure out the communication piece, which is definitely way more than, you know, some snippets here and there, um, you need like a real full training on that. But, but once you grasp that communication piece and have a really good handle on it, and you know what to say and what not to say, then you will reduce behaviors because behaviors are really a reaction to something. So by being able to communicate more successfully, we're going to greatly reduce the number of behaviors or reactions for people. Makes perfect sense to me. I will tell you that um, over this past weekend, I was seeing spiders crawling mm -hmm. across my pillow. And I told my wife, I said, I said, honey, I said, there's something crawling across my pillows. She came in and she said, honey, uh, I'm sorry you, that, that, but there's really, there's, there's nothing there. And I was like, okay, but it was the calm demeanor wasn't you're crazy. You're seeing things or anything like that. There was not. In other words, like you said, the communication was more in a positive manner. And I guess I'm still at a point where I can kind of logically um, segregate the things that are mind tricks versus what's reality. Yeah. But that one was very, very vivid. And, and you know, she just said, no. So, and even just her entering into that exchange with me took my m m 
excuse me, took my mind off of what my what I thought I was seeing. Mm. Concentrated more on what she was saying, and it wasn't there. So, you know, mm. I that's all I can tell you. Yeah, it, I've had I've had other clients, um, actually, like bugs and spiders and things like that are very very common um, hallucinations for people with Lewy body dementia, and. I've, I actually do specific teaching on how to handle communication during um, hallucinations and the steps to take and the words to use um, and how to, how to diffuse that and how to, how to pretty much make it disappear and go away. It's, it's really remarkable. Um, Without the students saying just it. love it. And they they use the they use the techniques and it's just it's brilliant it's just brilliant. You know, uh, we started this on communication and behavior, and we thought we'd hit the communication part, but they are so intertwined that we can't not help but talk about both at, together. I agree. Um, and and even though that was what we had said, we're going to talk about communication. We'll talk about <laughs> behavior later. Is there's actually no way to avoid it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, um, you know, it's, it's, would you like me to, um, tell you a little bit about, um, like what percentages communication is? You can, you can share that with me and my audience, but, uh, yes, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's very interesting. So and this is and this is for someone who's cognitively intact. So this isn't even a person with dementia. Oh. But seven percent of communication is our words. Only seven percent. So like somebody's gonna understand you, only seven percent from what you say. Fifty-five percent is your body language. I was just gonna say. And thirty-eight percent is your facial expressions. Right. So so 90% or more of communication As, is nonverbal. Right. So you can say something as sweet as can be, but if you've got a scowl on your face, it's not going to work. Or if you're standing there with your arms crossed, you know, you could say something as sweet as could be. You could tell somebody you love them, but if you've got this, you know, nasty body language going on, you know, you got your hands on your hips and you're tapping your foot and you're kind of looking up in the sky, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. So there's, there's so much to communication. There's so much. And, and yet while not difficult, it does take a little practice. And, you know, it took me, 15 years to perfect my models that I share with people now. And I've taken that 15 years and I've smooshed it all together to make it so easy for people. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily hard steps, but you've got to implement them all and you've got to do it correctly or it's going to backfire. And, you know, I don't know about you, Larry, but usually the more upset I get, the longer it takes me to come down. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite yeah. true. 
Yeah. So if 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 we as the care person are trying trying our best, but the person with dementia is getting more and more agitated, it's obvious that we're doing something wrong. And so that's that's what I love teaching. I love teaching people how to diffuse that situation as soon as it starts so that instead of it escalating, we're, we're bringing it back down instead. Because that's what we all want. We all want peace. We all want to be happy. Um, and, and it is definitely achievable. It really is. We, uh, we kind of ran out of, out of time here. And so uh, we will uh, continue this series with, uh, with Deborah on, uh, on behavior and communication and how they directly affect one another. So thank you. Please remember, folks, that we are 100% voluntarily uh, funded by our listeners. So please go to the link and at the bottom of your uh, of your favorite podcast uh, provider, and you'll find a link there that says uh, support the show, or you can find us on uh, GoFundMe under Living with Louie podcast, um, and every dollar counts, uh, and every dollar helps. So please uh, take a minute and uh, go in and. Uh, and support the show. We, we certainly would appreciate it. Uh, the only thing we try to do is cover our operating costs and equipment maintenance costs. So um, we thank you and have a great day. We'd like to thank you for joining us for this edition of Living with Louie.